The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. Before we get started, a quick public service announcement from your friends at Dietary Requirements. We need your support to continue doing what we do, so we've launched a brand new initiative called the Spin-Off Members. This will support the hiring of more journalists, facilitate the most important and hard-to-fund journalism, and allow you to help us decide the areas of coverage. For more info and to become a member, visit thespinoff.co.nz forward slash members. Tēnā koutou katoa. Welcome to Dietary Requirements, the spin-off's award-winning food podcast. Each month, we get together to eat and drink delicious things and chat to the buzziest people in New Zealand food. Welcome to episode three of season two. Ko Simon Day toko ingoa, and today I'm joined by Alice Neville, the spin-off's food editor. Kia ora, Simon. Kia ora, Alice. And big boss, food entrepreneur. <laughs> Sophie Gilmore of Delicious Business. You're just amping it up every episode. Hi, Simon. Have you had any weird pregnancy cravings? I'm eating a lot of dairy products at the moment, really into yogurt and just rubbing cream. it in, aren't you? That's appropriate for, my uh, week. for this week, as we'll be talking about climate change. Exactly. But we wouldn't be here without our wonderful sponsors, Freedom Farms. Freedom Farms believes that everyone who eats meat has a responsibility to know how that animal has been raised. They're dedicated to providing you with the best pork and free-range eggs, so you should buy their bacon and buy their eggs. This week, the spin-off is participating in Covering Climate Now. It's a worldwide initiative aimed at strengthening the media's focus on climate change in the lead-up to the United Nations Climate Summit on September 23rd. It's led by the Columbia Journalism Review, and hundreds of media organisations around the world are taking part uh, including some of the biggest and most important and um, some of the most well-known in New Zealand as well. So this month, Dietary Requirements is also focused on climate change and the way that what we eat contributes uh, to the what happens in our planet. Because the world's food system is responsible for about one quarter of the greenhouse gas emissions that humans generate – that includes the emissions from raising animals and growing plants. So beef farming has a carbon footprint and so does growing kale. But not all food is created equal. Um, there's a really helpful and interesting uh, interactive tool produced by the New York Times. And according to that, meat and dairy, as we well know, particularly cows, have the largest uh, 
impact on climate change. Annually, livestock accounts for about 14.5% of the world's greenhouse gases. That's about the same as the emissions from all the cars, trucks, planes and ships in the world combined, which is way more than I expected. In general, beef and lamb have the biggest climate footprint per gram of protein, while plant-based foods tend to have the smallest impact. Pork and chicken, they sit somewhere in the middle. So to acknowledge covering climate change now, this week a gang of the spin-off staff, uh, including Alice, have um, tried to stick to a vegan diet. I call them a gang because they've become quite militant about it and have started... (laughs) trying to shame us humble omnivores. It's part and parcel of veganism, isn't yeah. it? I disagree. I um, Shaming Simon because I think you feel quite threatened by veganism, so I'm making sure I, um, you know. Make it known. Make Good it work known. Were you down at St. Luke's uh, supermarket? No, protesting? that wasn't me. I wouldn't quite take it that far. That, And I am, I'm only vegan for a week, so I'd be fairly hypocritical if... I was at the supermarket protesting. You're well placed to take the extra step, though, as a yeah, vegetarian. It's been well, yeah, pescatarian. Yeah, but, sorry, um, sorry. She has to us every month. Yeah. Well, you know, because otherwise people might hate on me even more. <laughs> um, it's been fine. Like I'm not. I do really, really, really like dairy products and cheese, especially. Right. So I do miss them. I miss having normal milk in my flat white of a morning because, I don't know, oat milk's okay, almond milk's not. Mm, uh, but, yeah, it's been pretty good. But I think it's been harder for people like Tina, lovely Tina, our producer, who is a carnivore. Um, um, but she's doing so well, an omnivore. So it's been a very interesting experiment, and you can read about it on the spinoff.com. Can, I ask, can yeah. I ask if you feel more compelled to tell people about your diet now that you're <laughs> vegan? Um. Probably, yes. Yeah. She's yeah. written about it on a um, website. I guess, yeah, sure, you're doing but that's a... because that's your job and it's the, you know, this yeah. it's this week. But in general, do you feel that it's becomes a part of your vernacular? Well, it's probably hard to, well, I think any sort of experiment for a week. is topical, it's yeah. Topical. It's difficult to say, isn't it? But I'm not really, no, telling, I feel kind of, but you kind of have to sometimes, which is... Like divulge if you're in a restaurant yeah, or something. But I'm yeah. pleased to pleased to hear that you guys are just among the rest of the vegans, letting everyone know what you're up to. Oh it's yeah, important. totally. I right. think vegans are a bit maligned because the v- very vocal ones to whom you refer, the ones that people just equate to all vegans. But actually, I think most vegans are just normal people who you might not know are vegan. So joining I- us today, where well, they're sitting very <laughs> quietly and patiently, Sophie. So I'll introduce them. <laughs> Joining us today to discuss climate change and alternative diets um, are John Hart, who's who's a cricket farmer, a sheep and beef farmer, and a former Green Party candidate. Nice to have you, John. Thank you for joining us. Great CV. Great to be here. It's a very strong CV. And we have Chris Peterson, the sales and marketing manager for Rebel Bakehouse, which how do you describe what Rebel Bakehouse is? Well, first off, g'day. Um, yeah, my CV's not quite as long as John's, but um, I'll get there. Um, so basically, Rebel ba- we're a company, we're 75 years old. We've been making white sliced bread for 75 years. Um, people are now looking for different alternatives when they come to their carbohydrates. So Rebel Bakehouse is our, um, our reimagining, it's not really a word, but um, it is now. <laughs> it is now. It is now. Um, 
taking it back tweaking the <laughs> baking category and trying to sort of improve it by adding new ingredients that are a sustainable and b um, really good for your people who are eating it and c taste delicious and um Wraps is where we started. Um, as people walk down the bread aisle, wraps are usually thought of as a healthy option. Most of them are basically the same as a slice of bread that's just been squished out. Yeah. So um, I've always found that quite interesting. The perception yeah. of being reasonably carb-free. If you look is at the so not correct packet, I mean, I suppose when you look at it, it's a bit thinner. So in your mind, it's smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, gram-wise, it's actually a lot bigger than a slice of bread. <laughs> yeah. And on the packaging, there's always some nice salad and. So, yeah. you know, they do a good job of sending that image across, but if you actually look at the nips on the back, they're usually pretty average. Yeah. So, so you're, making, you're making your wraps with cricket flour? Yep. Hemp? Hemp. Flour? Hemp flour. Yep. Um, we use a purple corn in one of them, and um, we use a spinach in another one. So. And you use John to provide your crickets? We do. Is there anyone else in New Zealand farming crickets? Um, there are some people who are farming insects on a smaller scale, but as far as we know, we're the, the first one to do it at sort of commercial scale for a, for a mainstream product. And what makes crickets a special source of protein? Oh, how long have we got? <laughs> Ages. <laughs> Run us through it. The long version, please. Um, so basically, they're, they're a really efficient converter of feed into protein. So when you, when you dry the crickets out and turn them into a flour for baked goods, they're basically 60, 62% protein. So they're really high in protein, and they're only about 5% carbohydrate. So they're actually kind of keto-perfect out of the box, if you like. Yes. Mm. Okay, great. And you you raise um, sheep and beef as as well as, um, you call it growing crickets? What's the right verb for um, cricket farming? Good question. I mean, I I suppose we call it farming. I mean, we we do breed. We breed them. We raise them. We end their life like any other livestock. So I how guess do you it's, kill a cricket? it's farming, I guess. Yeah, I'd like to know just how what it looks like. How do you farm crickets? I'm imagining you know, these little crickets on tiny pastures, you know. See, I had, a, I, uh, I had <laughs> my mind an aviary. I'm oh, thinking okay. vertically yeah. and like boxes inside yeah, a container. You're much closer, yeah, and yeah. yeah. Well, uh, we'll, just, we'll deal with the hard one first because basically end of life for crickets is we put them in a, a sealed container and we flush it with nitrogen gas. Yeah. And then within a few seconds they're unconscious and then within about 10, 15 minutes they're dead. So Seems it's very humane. quick and very humane. Right. You can also freeze them as well, which puts them into hibernation. And then they don't wake up if you keep them frozen for long enough. Oh, but how long could you freeze them and then defrost them and they would wake up? Yeah, people have figured that out the that hard way. Um, <laughs> you can actually keep wow. them frozen for a few hours and they'll, they'll come back when you wow. defrost them. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. cool. How do you feel about crickets? You know how, like, you know, bees are... Lauded at the moment for being just epic, and the more you read about them, the more you're like, "Wow, mm. bees are amazing." <clears throat> and then you have yeah. that relationship with animals like dogs, where New Zealanders find it really hard to imagine ever eating them because of that bond that we have. Mm. Crickets fit somewhere. How really... does a cricket farmer feel about his yeah. crickets? Um, it's like any farmer; you you actually get quite attached to your livestock. Oh. Yeah, and and they're kind of they're quite endearing when you spend a lot of time <laughs> with them because they 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 walk on you and they chirp and they they're quite. I wouldn't say friendly because that's kind of a little bit too far, but they're, they're quite pleasant to be around. Do Are they, they sentient? Do they have personalities? Do you name them? I haven't <laughs> noticed anything that sort of deep. Yeah. But little Jimmy has a great sense of humor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they definitely get. Jiminy um, they get used to you though because they're in the in the container for about um, in the farm for about six seven weeks, oh, yeah. and over that time they actually get more tame. They right. get more and more used to you being around. Okay. So they definitely have a 
you know, some sort of capacity for, for learning and, and, yeah. Wow. And what does the space look like? What is a cricket farm? How big is it? Is it outside? Is, I, so I've got no idea. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's an indoor farm. So it can be, the form of it can be almost anything and anywhere. But our, our particular cricket farm is set up as a, a pilot facility, a test facility. Um, so it's inside a 40-foot shipping container. We've actually got two, two now. And so on the inside, it looks like a data center. It's white and shiny with lots of LED lights and ventilation. And um, you know, it looks much more like a hydroponic farm or a data center than what you think of as a farm outside. And how large is your flock? <laughs> flock? <laughs> <laughs> what, what is a group of crickets cl- called? Now? I'm going to have to do some more homework. I actually haven't oh, thought about that. Yeah. yeah. Hilarious. Oh, there will be a collective noun, and hopefully it's not something too embarrassing to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, we've we've got anywhere up to about half a million crickets at any Whoa. one time in our in our farm. Oh, this is quite cool! It's an orchestra of crickets. That's yes, oh, that's, that's actually really appropriate. <laughs> when you hear them all chirping, it, that's definitely half know. a million chirping at once. Wow, how well, big are they? Well, not all. They only chirp when they're mature. So okay. they're at all different stages in the life cycle. They sort so. of sell themselves out, right? They Pretty much. And that means they're ready to be eaten. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm just, one day they're going to learn. They're going to go. Shh, he's coming. Yeah. Stop, yeah. Stop yeah, chirping. yeah. <laughs> Wow, that's so awesome. What do you feed them? Um, so we have a proprietary feed that we give them, which is based on a bunch of stuff. Um, being based at a bakery, we're looking at um, using recycled bread as well from sort of spare from production. Very so that's clever. the next, the next project oh, for us. Close circle. the loop. Mm. But then are they cannibals? If, or would you not feed them the cricket wraps? No, we wouldn't feed them cricket wraps. Okay. So they're, they're, they they do not get recycled. They're too valuable. Yeah, to, fair point. Yeah. And wh- where are you feeding crickets? Like they're in the wraps? Are you serving them as whole crickets? We, <clears throat> we've just launched a, um, a food service model now, so we're selling um, crickets to restaurants that want mm. them. Mm-hmm. Um, and surprisingly, unsurprisingly, the Mexican restaurants are the ones that I was going to say, yeah. They're like, yeah, well, there's no convincing required. They know what they want. So, so, so crickets feature in a Mexican diet? Oh, yeah, like mm. all over Mexico in the markets – there are just loads and loads and like huge baskets full of them at the markets and people just pretty much go along and scoop them up like you would rice and put them in a bag. So for making tortilla or for eating? As just eating like popcorn. Yeah. My brother-in-law's Snacks. Mexican and he just can't believe he can't buy crickets. Like he, it, oh. It's like potato chips to them. Wow. And he'll just mm-hmm. get crickets with a little bit of chilli powder or something. And Bang, are they like fried laughing. or? Dried. 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 Ah, mm-hmm. oh, cool. Because I'd imagine um, in the lead up to the record today, um, eating crickets like you eat those small prawns and they've been mm. sort of light batter, quickly deep oh, fried. Oh, like Australian school, what are they called? Oh, the tiny prawns? little prawns? Yeah. yeah. A little bit bigger, like, like we had at Mekong Baby. Oh, okay. Yeah. We did that for Shrimp. one of our um, launch events. They sort of tempura battered it. And, oh, that mm. were really good. They tasted mm. like pork crackling sort of. Yum. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're really good. I've actually got some bacon flavored crickets here for us to try as well. How, do you bacon flavor them flavored. with bacon or yeah. with bacon with flavor? Bacon flavor. So they're actually they're technically vegetarian friendly. Um, oh. Obviously not vegan because they're insects, but yeah. so are like liquid smoke. Are you able to yeah. put a um, on my vegan? Like yep. a window over your vegan? Yeah, I think a... because we're doing this for climate change, I think mm. we crickets, crickets is a good uh, mm. way to go. It's always an interesting discussion though about like if you're vegan because you don't want to see insects killed. Yeah. 
you have to think about how many insects are killed in the service of your plant-based diet. Yeah, Because exactly. farmers are killing insects all the time and mouth mice yeah. all the I time. I never think about it's that. It's an interesting... Um, so you could argue if you're eating conundrum. crickets they that should are farmed be the exception. directly, you're actually saving the insects that are being killed in the paddocks oh, to grow yeah. your quinoa. It's, like, it's, it's complicated. It, is. it really is. Because the one thing I wanted to talk to you about is for two years I was a self-righteous climate change uh, vegetarian. Um, and I, I witnessed that. didn't want to eat meat <laughs> because I thought the land available to um, use to to create produce mm. is a lot more efficient to use it to grow um, fruit and vegetables. As an organic farmer, mm. you are held to standards that mean you have Less certain animals per, per square meter. It's more about the inputs that you, as long as you can, you can farm with those inputs, there's not really a, a strict definition on how many cows per hectare or how many sheep per hectare. It's more about their care and, and the land's care. That's because interesting because with chickens there is, with organic chickens. Yeah, I think there has to be because otherwise you just get a bit nuts because like indoor chickens, even free range chickens, they get pretty bunched in Yeah, and it's just a commercial model they just keep putting more and more in one space yeah. because that's one thing i thought about was um chickens are a great source of protein mm. and a really efficient way of turning chickens into protein that we can eat is by battery farming them and i wondered if the future of food and the future of humanity literally might look like a chicken farm that kind of looks like a cricket farm in a container with led mm. lights and just Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. scary what's, thought. What's the difference? Yeah. I don't. I don't well, know. Yeah, well, I mean, if you've yeah. got sentient creatures, putting them in that sort of environment's probably not that great. Um, yeah, I was thinking it's probably to do with the level of knowledge that we have about those particular creatures, because we know yeah. that chickens go nuts when they're in that battery confinement, which is why they, because if they don't have any scratchings, they just start scratching themselves and mm. scratching each other, and it's an unnatural process. But I can see how with yeah. crickets it works well. And I guess the question is, though, is forcing chickens to have a life like that in order to prevent sort of climate wars and mm. drastic apocalyptic climate change, is it a good thing? I don't know. I want to eat some crickets. Do you mean because cricket, uh, chickens are less of a threat to climate change than beef? Yes. Oh, like you, you if we can, cancelled can out beef, grow, we could just... You can grow chickens to create quite efficient mm. protein. Not as efficient as crickets. Maybe we just eat crickets... Instead of persecuting chickens. Well, that, that was going to be my, yeah. my totally non-biased suggestion, was yeah. that, um, <laughs> that the greenhouse gas emissions from cricket production are oh my God, they look very minuscule much like... compared to other forms of protein, even, yeah. plant, even plant-based. Like so, what are the emissions? Just... Um, zero methane yeah. and a very yeah. small amount of carbon dioxide. Okay. Yeah. But you've also got to look at the feed where it's coming from as well. So there's a bit of a, a life cycle yeah. thing to look at. But yeah, in terms of the actual animals themselves... I'm nervous for some reason about eating these. I think Should I, I Google if it's okay for a pregnant... Or hopefully you guys know, can pregnant women eat crickets? Yeah. I don't stick to any of those rules anyway. I was more meaning I'm nervous because it's a cricket. Can pregnant women have three beers on a Friday? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely they can. Just one. The only thing we've really found is shellfish allergy. Some people who have shellfish allergy might be potentially allergic, but wow. then, to the shell itself. Yeah, there's something similar in the in the cricket shell. So those are the plain ones you've got there. Okay. And we've also got salt and vinegar and bacon well, flavour. I love just salt for and vinegar. Yes. yes. Should we eat them at the Go, same time? Right up by the mic because it's really crunchy. So we usually avoid chewing on the mic, but in this situation, I think it'll. It's important. Be. Yeah. Okay, I'm going salt and vinegar. Who's with me? I'm going natural. That's bacon. Okay, where's the 
you're going to force it's the wedding. No, but it's not bacon. It's vegetarian. Bacon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's just, bacon it's, flavor. Okay. Yeah. What should we expect? I'm nervous. Mm. Oh yeah, it's delicious. Kind of just like very a, nutty. Mm. Mm. I was thinking it tastes like a mm. like a um, seed, sunflower seed, mm. sunflower yeah, seed, yeah. or a. Mm. I'm a fan. Would eat. Yeah, <laughs> would have, have eat. eaten. <laughs> would <laughs> eat salt but I can and imagine vinegar. Like what is the plain watching one? Watching sport eating knees by the gigantic bowl load. Yeah, the plain ones. Mm, I have one. Oh yeah. Even the even the plain ones are really nutty and toasty mm. and umami kind of flavour. Better than I thought. Oh my gosh, Tina, come have some. Great. Come on, Tina's wigging out. Okay, I'm going to have to play one and then the bacon. What was your favourite, Simon? Just having the salt and vinegar now. Oh, yeah, chuck me, a, chuck me an S and B. Which is delicious. It's weird because looking at them is like, oh, God, but then it's just like, yeah, a chip or something. Mm. I've never eaten an animal or insect that looks so much like mm. the, the, the actual <laughs> thing. You know, this is like putting a whole cow in your mouth. To <laughs> but if, if you scaled it up to the size of a prawn, it wouldn't look all that different yeah, from a very prawn. Very true. I hadn't actually thought of that. And yeah. I've always found prawns a bit weird as a kind of, you know, an innate vegetarian, like I've never liked meat. Right. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because what what are these things that we tell ourselves? Why we can eat some things and why we yeah, shouldn't eat all, others? Mm. Yeah. I think that that does... To me, that looks like a creepy crawly bug, which is the only reason that I would have any hesitation. But you're right. Mm. It just looks like a prawn. Yeah. I mean, my mum used to eat tripe. And mm. I'd look at her and go, are you mad? What yeah. is tripe again? It's cow's stomach. intestine. The intestine. The yeah. It's like, you know the thing that looks like sea life almost? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but there's about two billion people in the world that eat insects all the time. Well, well and Chinese people eat tripe on the daily. Mm. Apparently my granddad used to make my grandma cut the heads off white bait because he didn't like the little eyes. Oh, there. my God. <laughs> yeah, lots of people are funny about white bait. He died Like, I feel like topping and tailing beans is annoying, like trimming yeah, the heads off white bait. So he's getting your long-suffering wife to do it. Oh, I just love white bait. Couldn't possibly mm. waste a bit of it. Mm. Eating the whole um, beast is a really interesting them. thing. I remember being on a train in China and people were gnawing on a pig's trotter like it was almost like as an ice cream it was like mm. had a little wrap at the bottom like a cone holder it was yeah it was, i mean but i really respect that that's mm. what we should be doing but our um silly developed humans brains well the sort of really hard. anglo world is very weird with our approach to like our disconnect between animals and the that's what i was meaning it's just like what are the why do you tell yourself that one thing is normal to eat and another isn't and like my dad would love kidneys and toast and eat quite a lot of offal and grew up with it Mm. for whatever reason i just don't lean that way but these ones remind me of cheese and bacon uh Shapes. Shapes. Yes. Oh, my God. I was just thinking that was reminding me of some sort of confectionery, like, out of a box. But you know what I think is interesting is that I didn't really like the plain one because I think I got myself, like, yeah, yeah. It got in my head, but I really enjoyed the other two. I didn't like So maybe I just one. need a bit of distraction from what mm, I'm actually eating. I, yeah. But if it was wrapped up in, say, a soft tortilla with salad of just crunchiness. Yeah. yeah. Then it's just delicious. Like, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. My name's Jeremy Hansen, and I'm the host of The Good Citizen, a spin-off podcast where we talk about great ideas in architecture and urban design with a range of fascinating guests. Find us on your favourite podcast provider and join us in the conversation about how to make Aotearoa's cities the best they can be. 
How many crickets? Because you, you know, talk about them being a really dense source of protein. Is mm. a chicken breast say? Good question. I mean, those are sixty percent protein, and chicken breast is about twenty twenty five percent protein. So you'd need about a third. I guess of the weight of chicken breast, because mm. um, I feel like this is going to be great. <coughs> crickets are going to be great for my uh, rig. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. totally. <laughs> you missed out on your Nando's chicken today, but you're making up for it with um, protein. Exactly. So we get Nando's. That'd be a great snack on your office. cricket podcast too. <laughs> That's true. There's a pun there. <laughs> We get Nando's into the office every week. Um, love you, Nando, sponsor of the Real Pod. Everyone should listen to the Real Pod. Um, but this week, the militant vegans intercepted the order and. Uh, became a vegan Nando's Yeah, it was vegan Nando's. Chicken-free Nando's. I didn't realise that um, my sister owns Burger Burger and they have a whole... didn't know that. No, I knew (laughs) that. I didn't realise that they do vegan mayonnaise. And um, my mum sometimes works there on the door as a host. And she said, all these people are asking for this bloody vegan mayonnaise and telling me that we make this amazing vegan mayonnaise. I had no idea what they were talking about. So, yeah, it's obviously just becoming reasonably mainstream. There's a lot, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely a lot more people were becoming vegan, I have noticed. Yeah. Um, so I think it would be much easier to be a vegetarian now. When I was yeah, it's a vegetarian, yeah. I ended up tapping out because... There are I, some situations where you're just not catered for at all. Mm. Well, I got told that people would stop inviting me over to dinner because I was annoying. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> even in the last That's five your personality, years, Simon. it's got so much better. And it, like when I started working in, as a food writer, a vegetarian, like people were just like, "You, it's just not going to work, Alice." Yeah, and like I had to sort of keep it quiet when yeah. I worked at Cuisine. <laughs> but now it's like totally normal. Well, well and good on still, you. I now mean, I feel like there's people who think it's ridiculous, but you know. But I think that people. that makes you stronger than the rest of us. Like for you, you're innately vegetarian, yeah. so. It's not difficult for you to resist, but for yeah. for me to stop eating all animal product would be a, an enormous shift to yeah. what I'm used to doing. Yeah, so I mean, I big, wish that I liked meat. It would make my life a lot easier, but yeah, I just don't. My biggest problem as a vegetarian was how much I missed cooking the meat. Oh, so yeah. if I had like three people that I was living with at the time, it would have been maybe okay because I could have cooked for them. I was living with you at the time. And I'm, did I keep cooking meat? Yeah. See? Like, that was the thing that I just missed being able to work with that protein. Yeah. But having things like crickets come in is a, mm. you know, yeah. really fun mm. thing to experiment with, to, to test different recipes on. I'm What's excited. your favourite way to eat them? Personally, I do eat them in the wrap. Yeah. Um, product placement. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The Rebel Bakehouse wraps. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, or um, just as they are here. Just dry mm. with a beer watching the rugby. Yeah, and how has your local community picked up the cricket? It's quite interesting. There's, I mean, I suppose I'm the generation of, oh, yeah, okay, I'll give that a go. And everyone here dipped, most of us, dipped straight <laughs> in and tried it. Yeah. Um, but there's a group of people, like, I'd say probably a third of people who just flat out will not look at it. Won't not even, even try it. Not even no. try it, not even touch it, not, not want anything to do with it. Because to oh, judge funny. the upper. It is a demographic that I think of when I th- see New Zealanders who are like three meat and veg sort of. It's a traditional area. Yeah, yeah um, definitely. But in saying that, there are a lot of people open to it. Um, but yeah, you definitely get not just where we are. Like when I go to my family and stuff, at least one third of the people in any situation I'm in. We'll not even try it. That's fascinating to me. Ugh, ugh, you don't need ugh, you yeah. know. Just an instant reaction. It's like wow. a, 
before you even present, you know. Yeah. Mm. yeah just I the feel, idea of bugs. I yeah. can imagine several members of my immediate family not trying them. I don't reckon my mum would. I was just thinking that, actually. I don't think my mum would yeah. either. Your mum wouldn't because she's like, would just make a point about it. Yeah, <laughs> it would be. Should be. Should be happy to eat them, but she wouldn't because it would affect her brand perception. She always says I'd rather die than eat a raw oyster. So she won't. Really? Even, yeah, she doesn't like oysters and That's won't eat them. Won't. Even when I'm like, this is cold. It's delicious. It's got yeah. mignonette all over it. You've yeah. got to get it. She's just like, definitely not eating it. Wow. How hey, long have um, you been farming, John? The crickets. Um, we started the first tests about a year ago, so it's come on pretty quick. How have you seen the growth pattern? Of the farming itself? Yeah, or? And of, of the, do you have clients other than the, the bakehouse? No, so basically the, the farm is, is part of Rebel Bakehouse, so it's our, it's our farm effectively. Are you allowed to, or have you explored the idea of, because um, I, I would literally want to buy a pack of those for the, yeah. the game on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, we literally, we've got, we've got other products in the pipeline in terms of whole crickets, flavoured crickets, other products, including crickets. So, yeah, there's, it's just seeing what, What's the biggest priority for what's next? Yeah, I mean we we have a a pretty long pipeline of new products coming out, um, but again, it's making sure we target where we are actually going to sell product rather than spend all this time and money and then three people buy them. You know, is there a sustainable um, explanation between um, behind why hemp? Yes, flour? there is. Um, it's. <laughs> Again, it's very similar to crickets. There's yeah. so many positives. Um, I'm not an expert in hemp, but I could put you in touch with someone who is. Um, but basically, the I met the two guys from Hawke's Bay that were making oh, hemp yeah. oil. Yep, so they're one of our guys. But um, so the inputs are basically half. So you use hardly any um, herbicides and stuff. You don't need to use as much water. You need less land. It's really good for the land, so it enriches the soil as it's growing. Mm-hmm. Um, it also removes toxins from the soil, so they use it a lot near factories and stuff to clean up soil and then throw it out. Okay. Um, yeah, it's just so many of those sort of things. And then what you get out of it, really high in omegas, really high protein, really high fiber. So, again, it's a really good product that we should have been growing for years, but yeah. we're only sort of slowly moving to last it. last year, wasn't well, it? Well, same November. Yeah. perception around vegans is there's a yeah. perception around hemp as well, and that's affected our... The yeah. oil's really delicious, though. Like, really nice. Like and a, yeah. seeds nutty Tastes really nutty. Almost, mm. Mm. But yeah. I seeds think, are um, nice. I've, been sprink- I've got seen some. I've been sprinkling them on stuff, especially in good and vegan week, because they're, they're so like, high in protein. Kind of miniature cashew nuts. They're yeah, really they're yum. Yeah, yeah, there's a bit of a creamy kind of flavour mm. to them, mm. isn't yeah, there? Yeah, they're really good. But again, I think hemp is something that a lot of people are more open to. Yes. So just sales of our wraps, hemp. Sells, outsells cricket four to one. That was going to mm. be my next so, question. Um, the I'm sure cricket yeah. is And it's something it? people have heard about. People know, you know, there's so much media about it that people sort of innately know the benefits, whereas a lot of people say cricket or wild jet cricket. So we sort of have to get out there and educate people around what we can actually do. And that's it. interesting, isn't it? Because if customer or consumer awareness of hemp is, re- is four times that of cricket, then you've only got a year or so before... Hopefully. You know, yeah. <laughs> you've got some big PR spec. <laughs> yeah. But I can imagine that cricket's the slowest moving of, of the skews. But is it? Um, are they sold in supermarkets? Are they yep. sold? Who's your biggest mover of cricket rats? Um, so Pack and Saves and New Worlds are really good and they've been really supportive. Um, so, yeah, head there to get them. Um, but we're starting to get into more food service. So you're starting to see sort of cafes and that sort of thing take them up. And I think that's probably where we will sell a lot of them. I wonder if it'd be like one of those things where there was a Daily Mail uproar about 
UK butchers having halal meat without oh, telling people that it was halal, which yeah. to me is fucking stupid. <laughs> I wonder if it would be the same if you were served a wrap wrapped in crickets but weren't told about it, whether that would... Potentially. On our um, Facebook feed, we've had quite a few people, you know, give their kids cricket wraps without telling them or give their family. Yeah. But yeah. it's always been like a positive, oh, ha, ha, that yeah, was actually yeah. really people good. People are always trying to hide stuff in their kids' yeah, kids. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, we haven't had any sort of, yeah, negative things or anyone get an allergic reaction and die or anything like that. So, oh when, we, so uh, when we launched, the, um, <clears throat> the local newspaper, the Wairapa Times Age, had a big um, front page, um, was it? Local company releases crickets in supermarkets, and it was oh, a shock horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great headline. Yeah, it is quite like snakes on a plane, but crickets yeah. in a supermarket. <laughs> um, um, and then can I just ask one more question about these? So, mm. do you um, is is your intention to basically get cricket flour into the mainstream? Yep. Um, and to do that via the wraps to get people eating them and enjoying them and talking about them exactly. and then move through your range. Exactly, and just see it as a way to enrich existing products rather than it doesn't have to be this big scary thing that we're trying to convince everyone to do. It's simply something Put you, it you with can something use they know. to enrich your cooking, enrich your baking or enrich existing baked products that just up the protein, up the everything. So, so are they... Are those wraps made solely from cricket flour? Or no. I, I was going to say, what is the ingredients in cricket flour? Is it literally just ground it's crickets? Cr- yeah. So, in, so in you some have to ways, put that with other flour? Yeah. Flour, flour is almost a misnomer because it's really more of a, it's a high-protein powder that supplements food. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really behave like wheat flour. You can't just swap it out one for one. Yeah. So it's, it's an additive, not a complete replacement. Have you made things like um, cricket sourdough? We've tried a lot of things. Yeah. Um, cricket croissant. <laughs> we haven't <laughs> went that far yet, but um, yeah, sort of breads, rolls, buns, all that sort of thing. Um, What's failed drastically? Nothing, to tell That's you the truth. Good. So it doesn't really react with the gluten in a normal normal flour either. So you could just add it in, like put a yep. teaspoon into your smoothie, put it in with your normal bread dough, and it's not... It's just in there. Mm. Yep, it just happens to be there and you eat it. Yeah, it seems like it's yeah. um, pretty versatile in that way. Yeah, Definitely. I think the key is you don't want to put too much in. Yeah. And it starts, you start overriding the natural ability of the product to sure. do what it's doing. But yeah. but I've seen I've seen chicken breast encrusted with cricket flour on top, and that was yeah, yeah. like a, like wow. a you know any other sort of rub or crust you put on meat. Oh, is it so, quite coarse, like a crumb? No, it's quite fine, but you can mix it with other stuff as well. Okay, so. but even like chuck what we have got in front of us in a mortar and pestle, and mm. you'll make a like a panko bread cricket. Mm. No, yeah. cricket crumb. The crunchiness is, is appealing. Because they're, they're only about 2% moisture. They're very, very dry when they're, yeah. when they're roasted. So a quick blitz in the blender and it's basically in little tiny pieces. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I can see how it wouldn't actually mess with your regular ingredients in the scientific sense when mm. you were adding it to other ingredients. Speaking of my rig, have, you, have people done like <laughs> protein powder from crickets? I for, mean, basically, the, the cricket flour is essentially protein powder. I mean, it's sixty yeah. percent protein mm. um, when you when you grind it up. So I have seen some stuff overseas. Yeah. Um, a lot of incorporated protein bars and that sort of thing, which is where we'll be looking ahead. But um, yeah, we've had a few inquiries locally as well. So how does that compare to? I mean, I don't know how much you've looked into this to regular pea protein or. Um, I haven't looked a lot into it to be fair. Yeah, you so. sort of soy, soya, soy meal, soy, soy flour is about thirty-five, forty percent protein. Okay, and that's kind of the peak. Everything else 
drops down from there, so 30-20. Oh, so you'd expect whey and pea and all those other things to be less in protein. Yeah. So then it would be a matter of what you mixed the cricket flour with to bring it down to normal. Yeah, or you mix it to bring bring the overall protein up of a product. Yeah. Yeah. Very so cool, guys. A whole, whole lot of I'm everyday stuff you could put it into to just make them high protein. Yeah. yeah. Check this out for a segue. What I think would go really well with the crickets. <laughs> That's what I've been trying to say for like 20 minutes. And is, just it, like, is, a, is a beer. Yeah. <laughs> um, what are we drinking today, Alice? I've chosen Sawmill because they've just got B Corp certification, so which I will tell you about. That's so awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well done, Sawmill. Yeah. So I've got their new hazy... Uh, Three by two, six pack of. Whoops, I just spilled some. Sorry, uh, of um, three different beers, two of each, and then come in a box. And yeah, they're all there's a uh, there is their East Coast India Pale Ale, which has been out for a while, which I'm a big fan of. Uh, a hazy Pale Ale and a Nelson Sovan India Pale Ale, so all hazy beers. And B Corp certified, which means it's an international certification. Um, it just means that your business pays equal attention and there is parity among the priorities for profit, people and planet, doesn't it? Yeah, pretty much. So it's not means it's good for bees? No, okay. no, no, the less the <laughs> so, bee, not, yeah, the, not, not cool. the insect. Yeah. It says uh, on the press release I got about it, to achieve B Corp status, businesses are assessed on policies and practices across five categories, governance, workforce, customers, community and environment. It's a rigorous certification process that challenges business leaders to reconsider many standard business practices. So it's quite... Um, There's I only about 3,000 of them in the world, yeah, I think. Yeah, I understand it's quite uh, intense, you know, getting... You can't, it's not just one of those greenwashing, like, oh, yeah, we're really sustainable. So No, you get heavily audited. Yeah. Mm. So it's cool. And nice beer, too. It clearly works because it tastes amazing. Yeah. Yeah, they make good beer. Old Just story. becoming more virtuous by drinking it. <laughs> yeah, I feel better. With already. a side of crickets and you're away. <laughs> this is a Delicious. pretty, you know, climate change free feast right now. I'm, I know. I'm proud We're doing of pretty well. Is, aren't the, we? is the birth of the cricket movement um, born out of a desire to be more sustainable? Or is it um, to move away from intensive animal farming and provide an alternative or yeah i guess it's probably both of those things really yeah um i mean i got into it because it was an interesting project and no one had done it before but the more we got into it the more we realized this thing's got legs for one of a better pun yeah <laughs> um, there's a there's a really strong story around sustainability and climate change in in a protein source that doesn't require a lot of resources or land or water uh, but it's obviously it's really important tasty. to you as well yeah. former green party mp Sitting no, here with this keep quite, cup. Not quite. No, that wouldn't. Yeah, candidate. A candidate. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but thanks for the for the um, promotion, yeah, though. Let's take it. <laughs> Ouch. I was a few off the off the off the pace last election, but yeah. But you know, is it is it falls in line with your values, obviously? Yeah, and I, I wouldn't do it if if I couldn't kind of put hand on heart and say it's it's something Important I believe in. Important to you. Yeah. Can you and make money you, as well? Um, yeah. So there's it's, definitely it's, there's a, there's a business model problem. there as well. Yeah, definitely. How does um. Beef and sheep farming fit in with your uh, principles because it's quite interesting. I am not; I'm certainly not anti meat eating, but uh, in my opinion, it should exist, but only in your so the ways that you know that you're doing it. Mm. Small, low input, that kind of thing. So, if everyone was doing, you know, if there was more like that, and everyone ate a lot less meat, the world would be good. But if, is it something you've had to tackle, even like whether? To continue farming beef and sheep? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm firmly in the camp that there's a really important place for animals in regenerating land and pasture yeah. and, and even sequestering carbon. So, you know, I think I think uh, having a an animal-free country in terms of agriculture would be a complete disaster because mm. they actually perform a lot of useful functions. But what are they? Because I don't. How does it? What animals sequest carbon? So basically, by growing soil and growing and eating grass, you actually you have if you manage your land well, you can actually grow soil in the grow carbon in the soil. So there's this enormous potential for us to sequester the carbon in farming. Partly, it's not really well recognised, so we don't get credit for it. And the other part of it is not the practices aren't really well established and well sort of disseminated. So, but there's a huge potential there for agriculture to actually be not even what we think of as traditional farming to be a huge source for sucking up carbon. We have to wonder whether this is the moment with Fonterra's profits in crisis <laughs> to reconsider the existing model. You know, for years mm. there are people saying, yes, let's have less intensification, market ourselves as the premium product we are and not be so reactive to what the market is wanting. Let's yeah. set our own strategy. And I think that that's really valid. And hopefully that would lead to people eating great quality, ethically farmed but probably less meat. Mm. Mm. Yeah, because think, yeah. organic meat tastes so different. I was I've been really surprised by the actual taste difference between a five dollar steak and a twenty dollar steak from the, the farmers market. Mm. But I think eating far or four fewer steaks and that one great one is such the way to go and the way we live and eating heaps more crickets. Definitely. The jo- <laughs> and drinking more bee corp. The challenge we've got as a country is that we export 90% of the meat we grow. Yeah. yeah. So it's sort of, it doesn't, almost doesn't matter what Kiwis do in terms of our diet. It's, it's our customers that are the, the challenge. I also think, so think that's a, a widely misunderstood idea is how much we export mm-hmm. and how little beautiful New Zealand um, food stays here for us to eat. Particularly lamb. Yeah. It seems as though most of that goes overseas, doesn't it? Yeah. I could get lamb cheaper when I lived in Paris than I can at the supermarket. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I guess that's another thing. Like you're saying, if you're willing to eat meat once a week, spend a bit more on it and have enjoy better quality, then there's no reason that lamb shouldn't be in the rotation at home. But instead, everyone's eating. I think New Zealanders eat chicken on average five times a week or something. Mm. Like it's... It's we're just ramming ourselves full of cheap protein. Yeah. But like um, you said, it's a cheap protein, and when you actually see the household incomes of New Zealand, you don't realise how many people need the cheapest possible yeah. food. Of course, to fill them up. No, I understand that, but I mean, um, you know, if we could be teach ourselves and educate ourselves to be more competent, more creative, um, to utilise the protein and the vegetables that we have in New Zealand, which are beautiful, then the overall bill isn't really affected if we can get people to make the switch, but it's just not the way that we've been raised, is it? No, No, it's a pretty big uh, switch shift required, I think, the way people think and, you know. And it's interesting that it seems to be a, um, a gender thing as well. I think that women tend to be more willing to eat vegetarian food. And I think when you get older... Um, the boomers are all saying that they're starting to, as you get older, you become more vegetarian. I bet more lads will eat the crickets. Though. <laughs> yeah. That's a good thing. I haven't noticed yeah. my dad becoming more vegetarian as he gets older. Yeah, but isn't that interesting mm. that like... But then the needs that your body has for protein as you grow older and get have less testosterone, it drops as oh, well. Yeah. So your desire to go and grab a piece of steak probably drops a little bit. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. 
what I found so interesting is I think being pregnant kind of amplifies things, but it's kind of, it exaggerates your intuitive eating. Like I noticed the other day that I was lower in energy than I normally would be. Right. And I thought that's quite interesting. And then I noticed that I put in my supermarket trolley beef because my body was basically saying, give me some Mm, more iron. And then I got blood tests back and they said, your iron's a bit low. And it's so interesting the way that you, so basically the baby boomers will be eating less meat because their bodies need it less. Mm. But that's a good thing because there's so many of them, right? (laughs) (laughs) Jesus, imagine if they were all having meat and three veg every night for the rest of their lives. Okay, um, so the other thing we have to eat today is some vegan chocolate chip cookies that I made this morning. In There's my, been a lot um, of vegan food brought in and made, and apparently this is the first one that's tasted good, so I'm really proud of you. The, scr- the Josie's scrolls were quite good. I hope Josie doesn't listen to the podcast because I... <laughs> Pretended really to did, like her I really scroll. disagree. No, I didn't. I went and hid it in the kitchen. I just, it was bad. Aww. I did actually rudely say that I thought vegan baking could be an oxymoron. Mm. What goes into chocolate chip cookies if they're vegan? um, Because in my last Vegan Week update, which I'm sure you all read, um, I said that we were having a debate about that and I said I found most vegan baking a bit shit. And then Josie (laughs) said it's because so many vegans try to be healthy. You just need to up the fat content. And up the sugar. So what fat do you use without Coconut oil. Mm. And so someone posted on our Facebook post of the story, being like, totally agree, these cookies are great. And it's on um, the Tasty website. So it's coconut oil, shitload of sugar, uh, How do you make and vegan chocolate? Whitaker's chocolate. Well, just dark chocolate is vegan. Mm, dairy-free. Yeah, yeah, dairy-free. Is dark, what percentage? How much dark Almost chocolate is vegan? Over about 70%. I over think about 70%. Dairy-free. doesn't much. have milk. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Hmm. Here I was having a little vegan snack every night without even realising. <laughs> oh, that's the thing. I think there's still a lot of people don't really understand what vegan is. And like my mum was like, "Can you eat bread?" I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just leave out the squirrels. It'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe she was thinking because some bread does have egg in them. Yeah. But yeah, some apparently best ugly bagels has because they're Montreal style bagels. They use egg in their bagels, which is sad because I was about to go and get one for lunch the other day. Have you have you slipped up um, this week? Yeah, um, my Maori class on Monday night, I ate a marmite flavored bagel crisp. That then I looked at the ingredients and it had milk powder in. And then last night at the opening of the Archie Brothers Circus Bar, there were these waffle fries that had like mayo or aioli drizzled on them, and I kind of tried to push the, the mayo off. But I hope you tried very hard. I did You're try actually hard. vegan this week. But other than that, I think I've been doing pretty well. Tina did have a bit more of a slippage last night, but this is nice. It doesn't necessarily taste like a chocolate chip cookie to me. Mm. It's like a nice, sticky, chewy, sugary thing. thing. Yeah, borderline like brownie. There's so much mm. chocolate. Mm. Yeah, and I appreciate that you don't try and be vegan and save the calories. You can't do it all. No, fuck that. Exactly. <laughs> Very um, into that cookie though, Alice. I think you should share the recipe. Mm. As part of the post. Thank you to the reader whose name I've forgotten who shared the um, recipe with me. It's very good. I think the the sugar tastes um, almost like a golden syrup. I used a Mm. muscovado. Mm. Oh, you did, yeah. Mm. And white. Mm. Great work from you, Alice Neville, this week. While we're drinking the um, the woke beer, I had a question about the hazy uh, Mm. 
descriptor. Didn't we talk about this last week? Last oh, month? Probably. Tell I don't know again. what she'll say. She'll say, it doesn't actually mean anything, really. Well, it's unfiltered, mainly. Oh, no, we did talk about it. Was that. Cloudy. Yeah. Sam was like, oh, but it's a special kind of yeast. And I was like, stop mansplaining, Sam. <laughs> didn't really. And it is, sometimes they do use a special kind of yeast, but not always. Um, and so East yeah. Coast India? It's East Coast India Pale Ale. Oh, okay. Uh, and East Coast, well, I mean, hazy pale ales are also known as Nipahs or North, what is that, Northeast? Yeah, because they came from the East, because West Coast. Of which country? America. So West Coast is your classic hoppy West Coast star IPA. And then East Coast ones are the, the more hazy, kind of less bitter, bit fruitier ones. Good, no- good knowledge. Are these it's limited yeah. edition or are these... Um, I think it's part of their core cool range now. The Why are you pack. such a beer aficionado? Oh, because you write delicious. for the New Zealand magazine. Because I like beer. I know, but you're particularly knowledgeable. Cause, yeah, cause I guess because I write about it. Yeah. Drink yeah. a lot about of it. She knows all the answers. It's chicken and egg, though. Like, I write hmm. about cricket, the sport, not the food. <laughs> you're, um, a, you're a cricket. Because I, cause I like it. Yeah, exactly. There is only one appropriate snack for all cricket-related events going forward now. I, th- yeah. I think that need, you need to almost approach uh, Jeremy the Wells cricket team. Mm. No, not, I've, I have a better cricket podcast than Jeremy Wells. Um, <laughs> approach true. me, even. You could sponsor my cricket podcast. <laughs> but I think the New Zealand cricket team uh, would... It would be an ideal. That was one of my original marketing strategies I wanted to do with this, was get most of the young guns and have like them eating the crickets and doing the cricket wraps and stuff. Jimmy Nation was here the other week. Finally, we'd have the crickets. (laughs) The crickets are black. I mean, it just sells itself, right? Mm. (laughs) And you are literally talking to one of New Zealand's biggest cricket fans, so Simon will make (laughs) this happen for you (laughs) next time there's one of those World Cups that goes on for about... Five years, but but joking aside, as a as a like a higher nutrition kind of sports food, cricket's actually one of those potentially interesting ingredients for mm. you know, muscle building or recovery. And we have had a couple of nutritionists from Super Rugby teams and that sort of thing cool. talking to us quite closely about using it. So well, New Zealand cricket. Shake. Do you know mm. TJ mm. is vegetarian, moving towards veganism? Okay. He's a great guy. I love TJ Perinara. Love him so much. Do you? Yeah. Protect Ihumato. He's so woke. Mm. And he, yeah, and he leads the hacker too, which is yeah. always a nice moment. He's like my new Piri Wepu, who I was obsessed with since before before anyone had even heard of Piri Wepu. Before he saved the day. Before he saved the day. So we have a unique uh, approach to our regular segments this week. We're going to talk about John and Chris. Usually we talk about the best place we've eaten recently and some tips uh, for cooking. I'm going to ask you what's the best vegan thing you've ever eaten or to recommend a good vegetarian vegan restaurant. Who wants to go first? Alice, you're the in-house vegan. I thought it was the best vegan thing I'd eaten this week, not the best vegan thing I've ever eaten. Well, the best vegan thing I've eaten this week is your cookies. Yeah, these are pretty good. I haven't actually cooked much this week because I've been either out or my sister invited me round. Yeah, my sister made a nice... um, Vegans do get invited for dinner. Yeah, I think she felt... Well, then my other sister invited me this night. Yeah, (laughs) She made an otter lengi recipe, which was like a bulgur wheat and eggplant thing. That was yum. Mm. Best vegan thing I've ever eaten. God, I don't know. It's hard to think. I mean, most curries, unless you get paneer. Or, oh, I suppose ghee. Yeah, fuck, I don't know. That's mine. I'll say the otter lengi Um, recipe. I have a really great recipe, which is for a Sri Lankan beetroot curry. And... um, we can share it with anyone that's interested, but mm-hmm. really beautiful 
curry, and this sounds really bad because I'm not vegan. It's one of those ones where you don't even realize you're eating something vegan, <laughs> yeah. and then you feel really great when you work out that you are. I think that's the best thing. Like, look to culinary cultures where it's just that's just what they eat. It's not like you know weird. Yeah, don't try and adapt or, things yeah. that shouldn't necessarily be vegan. Hmm. Was I your um, bird on a wire tofu, black pepper tofu, vegan? Yes, that was that was one of the best. Uh, vegan things I've ever eaten but also I love the uh, falafel at Aparo oh yeah that's a good time very very oh, yeah. good mm. but I Fatima's has a lot of vegan food and a lot of vegan followers really fans yeah see I go to Fatima's because the lamb is amazing loads of people order that spiced nut pita the tofu all of oh, it there's lots it of out. vegan food there mm. You two, do you have any vegan, great vegan joints in Masterton? Um, they're pretty few and far between, actually. Mm. I'm surprised. Yeah. We've got some really good Indian and Thai restaurants um, that do some of the dishes are vegan. Mm. But one of the we used to live in Auckland, and one of my our, still our great kind of regrets is that we don't have a Fatima's anywhere near Masterton because oh. we still their kofta balls and their and their yeah. um, falafel oh, just so good. Sophie's a, a co-owner. Oh, there you go. Mm. As of recently. Very recently, we need, yeah. We need a and Open a master. <laughs> <laughs> Have you thought about raising your new family in master? <laughs> I hadn't thought of that, but thank you. <laughs> My sister-in-law took us to a place in Melbourne, Moroccan Soup Bar, I think it's called. Oh, that's and, awesome. Um, the Moroccan Soup I kitchen. was very hesitant when I went there, but yeah, that sort of changed my mind on a few things. That was amazing. Is it a vegan place? Yeah, or? and she uses mm. like refugee woman as the oh, cool. chefs and yeah. stuff. And you take your own container, and then yeah. they've got they do that really cool... I think it's called How to Date a Muslim, and they're trying to break down the barriers between the Muslim yeah. community cool. and everyday Australians. So you go along, and there's a Muslim woman up the front, and you can just ask her anything you want. That's really cool. Sounds like they're quite fun events. Yeah. Do you have vegan cooking tips? Uh, yes, aquafaba. That's a classic one. That's like magic. So aquafaba is the liquid in a can of chickpeas or beans, and you, which you usually just drain off and chuck out. If you whip it up, it works like egg whites. Really? Mm. Uh, that's what vegan mayonnaise is. Yeah. Oh, buzzy. Because so I always think it um, cool. stinks. Yeah, it kind of does. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can add things you to flavour. You can add stuff, make meringues or whatever. I feel like it would make me fart as well. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Sophie? Mm. Um, look, I'm going to say ghee because we've done quite a bit of Indian cooking you lately. No, that's not and I, vegan, right? Oh, no, it's not. It's vegetarian. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah, look, that. I don't think I've got a vegan cooking <laughs> tip. My vegan cooking tip is to go to Wise Boys Burgers because I think mm. they're doing a great job. They're two great young guns. We, we hang out. We yeah. hung out with them last week. We at did. The we met them. They were nice. Sustainable Business Network Awards finalist announcement. Oh, announcement. I went to. That's where I last hung out with them. Was at the Sustainable yeah. Business Network Awards a year last ago. year. Yeah, so we've been nominated for that too. So yeah, we've come up the you, you look a bit too old to be a part of the spin-offs Millennial on a Mission sponsored category. I fall just into you would millennial. Be a millennial. Really? Millennials yes. can be like up to late. No, we're actually all millennial, aren't yeah. we? It's eighty two, isn't it? Something, yeah. something yeah. like that. Yeah. Eighty to ninety two or something. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm way out of that. Eighty six. <laughs> 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 Those days are gone. You're a Gen Y. No. Gen no, we, are we Gen Y? No, Gen yeah. Y are people younger than us. Like, Tina might be a Gen Y, I think. How old are you, Tina? 12. She can't remember. She's young. 24? She might be a Gen Y. Uh, hmm. Gen X. Yeah, Gen X is you. And then we're Y? 
And then no. Z are the ones after us. Oh, yeah. We're millennials. Yeah, we're, 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 we're all, but X, no, no, Y, and sorry. Z are millennials. It's a problem at kind of like... There's an umbrella yeah. millennial. We we special. I think Tina's Gen Z. <laughs> yeah, we should edit this out. Anyway, this is terrible chat. <laughs> lots lots of thing. salt is my uh, vegetarian oh, yeah. cooking, uh, vegan cooking tip. Also, wrap beetroot in tin foil, roast them, and then the skin just peels off. Yep, it's a good and it's this really succulent, tender, shiny. You miss out on that dirt flavour, which I really like, but sometimes it's. Uh, not what you need. Mm. With beetroot, when you boil it too, you should do it before. Don't top and tail it because the shoots trap the flavour. So, as well, boil the whole thing. Oh right Take on. it off at the end. And Look any, at me being all vegan. I'll get you two to give us some cricket cooking tips. <clears throat> well, I, um, I whipped up these ones last night that you tasted today. <clears throat> the easiest way is to actually put them in a warm pan. <clears throat> Excuse me. Get the crickets nice and warm, not super hot, but just warm, and then you can spritz them with some release spray, just a bit of canola spray or oil. Okay. Get them nice and sort of just lightly coated, and then they'll soak up anything you put on them. So any flavorings or rubs or cool. sauces, they just nice. And had you dried them first? Yeah. So we these are the the whole roasted ones out of stock. We just grab them and whole throw them roasted in the pan. cricket. Yeah. One cup of whole roasted cricket. <laughs> Yeah. Love it. And then baking-wise, what, 10% replace the flour weight with cricket? And oh, just, yeah. So my wife makes um, banana muffins, just puts 10% of that in. You would never know. It just tastes like a nutty banana muffin Ooh, nice. with super Delicious. protein. Yeah. So yeah, is that the flavour? Is it does actually bring a bit of nuttiness bit to the baking as well? For me personally, I find that. Yeah. It's I immediately got that flavour on the natural yeah. cricket. Yeah, yeah eating it straight, yeah. I did too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you, you can also influence it by how hard you roast them as well. Like I've, I've made some unintentionally that were really toasty and dark almost mm. sort of porter yeah. tasting um, by just cooking them a bit too hard yeah yum um, yeah I'm interested to see what the chefs are going to do with them yeah well I actually really look forward to being able to um, order crickets more often at uh, or more often order them at all at, at restaurants and, and get a bag of them at the cricket uh, this summer mm. Same. hopefully Ooh. I'll introduce you to the New Zealand cricket team Sweet. They're my close personal friends. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, he wishes. Drive your electric cars this week, eat your crickets, and we'll see you all uh, next month. Thank you both very much for joining us. It was really fun. Thank, thank you. And keep it up. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm really it's into really it. Cool. And thank you, Tina, for your producing. As always, Tina, you're a fantastic producer. Yes. The spin-off's Climate Now coverage, I have a mouthful of crickets, <laughs> is actually brought to you by our members program. So you should join that. We'll yes. include a link uh, in the post. But for just $80, you will get a, um, a book as well as your annual membership. And I will send you a bag of crickets <laughs> as well if you've got all <laughs> the way to this end. Swallow the crickets. And chewed crickets. Yeah. The ones he's not chewing from, right Not now. the one from my mouth. Hi. Kia ora e te iwi, te Ahe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.